So let's get into Romans chapter 15, and we're going to start um, at verse 8. Oh, now I can't see this. Okay, does someone want to read 8 through 13? I will. Dale. Okay. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's faithful truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. I, I feel like we could just end there. It's just a nice ending. I feel like it would be a nice ending for um, the book, so that we may abound in hope. Sorry. I was thinking maybe he changed his mind and just went on after he ended <laughs> Um, I kind of feel like that at the end of 14, the end of 15, and then at the end of 16, I'm like, any of these could be the end of this book. <laughs> it's been kind of interesting. So Eric and I had a long discussion. Well, they talked, um, because Pastor Jay was talking about, um, a little bit about textual criticism on Sunday, and saying like, well, how do we know the Bible is reliable, and different things like that. So the end of Romans is one of those kind of disputed passages of the order and how it and how it happens and sometimes that happens at the end of letters because half you know a page gets lost and so like some of the old manuscripts are a little different but um but it's all there so but anyways that's a side note but I thought it was interesting that all of this was coming up so Yes. Okay. I agree. Yeah. So we have. So if we remember, really, this section should be seven through. um, Is it seven through nine instead of eight through nine? But it it's kind of going. If we go back one verse, and it says that we're to accept each other, as Christ accepted us, and then he kind of goes into this. For I tell you that that Christ became a servant. And so he's kind of explaining how. So accepting each other as Christ. So how did Christ accept us? And Christ became a servant to the circumcised. You know, Christ didn't need to submit to the Jews. He didn't need to submit to their authority. But he chose to. And God used the Jews for that purpose. And what I really like about this passage is that it, it brings everything he has kind of said from the beginning of Romans together, showing God's truthfulness, his truthfulness, saying these are the promises that he's given, that he has fulfilled, and he's chosen to use Israel to do that, so that the Gentiles will also be able to glory or to receive God's mercy. 
which is a good kind of summary of the whole book of Romans, wouldn't you say? Talking about this balance between the Jews and the Gentiles and how God used the, the Jews for his purposes to bring the Gentiles in. But also, we have to remember that God will bring the, Gen will bring the Jews back to him through the Gentiles. Um, so, but so how does how does Jesus serve or accept one another? And so, it says Jesus became a servant to the circumcised to show his truthfulness, um, but also to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. And we could go into all the different promises, but if we go back to Abraham, the first promise is, "I will bless you, and you will be a blessing to every nation." And that even just that first promise that God used the Jews to bless the whole world and will is continuing to do that. Um, so, and it's that idea and is also for the Gentiles. So God has this big picture. And so, and he says, we need to accept each other as Christ has accepted us. And then he, he doesn't just leave it at that. He starts quoting and he quotes multiple times. <laughs> which is kind of fun. I like it when he takes his quotes, and it's, it's fun to go back and look and read through the passages. Sometimes it's like he just takes a sentence and is like, this sentence makes sense here, and you read the whole passage, and you're like, I don't understand how this passage fits in with what he's saying, but sometimes you just go the whole passage. You go, yeah, that's exactly what he's talking about in, in Romans. And so... Um, I just quote. I just quoted what the. I just gave you the references, the of the quotes that he used. So he said, he starts with Psalms eighteen, forty nine. Um, I will praise you among the nations, and I will sing the praises of your name. I want to have my Bible open here too. Um, and then he quotes from Deuteronomy. <coughs> And it's Deuteronomy 32:43, and it's a, and it's just the last little part of 43. And he says, "Rejoice with him, O you nations." Um, and so you just see that it's it's more than just the it's more than just the Jews that are praising God. Even throughout the Old Testament, these promises that all of all nations will exalt him. Um, it's just kind of cool to see that it's not something that us Christians are trying to pull out of the Old Testament. It's already there. And God has already said, all nations will be blessed. Um, but the way that he did it was through the Jews. And so then you have Isaiah. Oh, did I miss? Yeah, Isaiah eleven ten. In that day, the root of Jesse, who will stand as the signal for the people, of him shall the nation inquire, and, and his resting place shall be glorious. And the root of Jesse is from the line, you know, so do you know who Jesse is, everyone? The, the father of David. And so it's kind of that idea of through this line of blessing, of the line of the promise. And so um, you see that God has said, no, I've already planned this out, and it's through this root that I will make... I will make this blessing known, and so the um, this and so when he's talking about the root of Jesse, he's really talking about the messianic rule of Christ, um, 
and that it will not just be over the Jews, but over all the nations, which is kind of cool. So, and then he goes, may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing. And that's, that's our present hope that we have, that God gives us in our daily lives um, with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the hope that, so that our hope may abound, that's our future hope that will come. And, um, and it just reminded me of, uh, of, chap- of verse 17 from last week, in chapter 14, that our belief in Christ and the gospel is to bring joy and peace through the Spirit that we may have hope. And so we have to remember that that's our, our main purpose. And so I feel like that was a good kind of summary from um, what we talked about last week, about keeping the main thing the main thing and not waving the flag of um, the disputable things instead of the things that are uh, necessary to keep for faith, the foundations of our faith. And so um, so this would have been a good section to kind of keep with last week, but it's a good, it's kind of a good summary for what we talked about last week. Um, and then to remember that this is our purpose is joy and peace and peace is partly unity and order and so when we don't have unity and order it's hard to have peace Uh, that brings hope so questions comments on that section so that's kind of that's kind of his like ending to his whole like new information and now he's kind of going into greetings and and um greetings and kind of final words and things like that and so he starts by by talking about the about just being satisfied with the romans and how they're living and things like that which i found this to be really encouraging because he just wrote this big long letter to them like laying out the gospel and what it looks like and what it looks like for the Jews there and the Gentiles there and how they can live in unity. Um, But this was encouraging because you go, oh, well, maybe they're not as messed up as like the Corinthian church. They're actually doing pretty good. And so it was encouraging to read kind of this section. So um, Dale, do you want to read again? 14 through, I think, 21 or 14 through 16. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And so this is where you go, maybe the Roman church wasn't as bad as we thought it was, as you start, because as you read it, you go, okay, he's talking about all these things, but then he encourages them, and he really affirms the church in Rome, and he says, so Paul is really, he's happy with the church in Rome, and he said, they're good, like, they're, they're good, and what does good mean? We have, we have goodness, goodness is, is both action and morally. And so they're, 
they're doing, they're living the Christian life, you know, they're doing what they should be doing. Um, and so he says, so he's like full of goodness, so that's action as well as moral practice. And then they also are filled with knowledge. And what is the knowledge that he's referring to here? It's not just worldly knowledge, but it's the knowledge of the truth of the gospel that is in Christ. And he's like, this is something that God is God-given. It's not just something that is gained somewhere. And so he said, you guys are filled with knowledge, and it's not knowledge that just ends. It's a knowledge that has a purpose, and its purpose is that they're able to instruct one another. And in this, in this doesn't happen in every... Even today, it doesn't happen in every church that you have a congregation that is able to come alongside one another and provide counsel and to admonish and to encourage each other. It just it doesn't it doesn't happen all the time. The church in Corinth, at that point, they weren't able to do that. And you think like Paul is writing from Corinth, and so you go. He says, "But you in the church of Rome, you're able." to minister to each other, and so you're strong and healthy right now. Um, and so this, this uh, able to instruct one another reminds me of 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, and he says, he, this Paul writing to Timothy, and he is encouraging him. He said, You then, my child, be strong by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to men, to faithful men, who will be able to to teach others and so you have you really have that picture of that happening in Rome with people that are able to come alongside one another um, and so really it's just an encouragement to me that Paul even writes this big letter to them even when they're doing everything right um, to remind them so why is Paul writing it's really to remind them of the gospel and the unity that comes in through Christ in the body in His body in the body of Christ, and so um, it's a good reminder that we always need the reminder of the gospel. It doesn't matter where I stand, whether I'm doing everything right or doing everything wrong. I always need the reminder of the gospel um, and what it, and what God has done and where He's and where He's going with it to remind us of our hope and to give us peace for the present as well as the hope for the future. And so um, so that's just really, I found this, this, little, this little section really encouraging because um, you can never get the gospel enough, I don't think. So. <clears throat> so even with all that said, he does say he boldly writes them. Um, and so why? Why does he write and part of the reason why Paul writes, at least what he says, is because this is his ministry. <laughs> He's like, I will preach the gospel to every Gentile, even if you already believe or you don't believe. He's like, because um, he wants the Gentiles to be acceptable um, to, to God and through the Holy Spirit. And so he wants to make sure that they understand fully the gospel. Um, and you think every time I read, every time you read a, a passage, you learn something new. Every time you go back to scripture for something, you're like, I'm pretty sure that wasn't there before. Must have been a different translation I was reading. <laughs> because the Holy Spirit is constantly revealing new things to us. 
and you see this kind of this is part of why Paul says no I'm going to continue this is my desire to see the the Gentiles um, to see the Gentiles as part of God's kingdom and I want to see I want to see them grow um, closer to the Lord so um, any questions I agree <laughs> it's nice to have you with us Holly <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Everyone else is on mute, so they always are like, hmm, it's nice to hear. Um, it's nice oh, to hear. Thank you, sweetie. <laughs> um, okay, so our next kind of section, uh, 14 through 16, wait, 17 through 21. I'm like, wait a minute, we just did that. Okay. In Christ, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience, by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way to Ilcrium, I have fulfilled the mystery of the gospel of Christ, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Um, so you kind of have this next section now. He affirms the church in Rome, and then he starts talking about the work that God has done through him. Um, and this is kind of the time where you that you have to be careful in how you use the word proud or boasting. So the word in, in, um, in verse 17 of proud means to boast. And he's, he's saying, I'm not boasting in what I've done, but I'm boasting for what God has done through my ministry. And so there's a very thin line <laughs> that you have to be careful of. And Paul, I feel like, does a good job of saying you know he's like I'm the least of the apostles doesn't matter God is doing all this despite me and he and he says I'm boasting for God not because of what he has done but what Christ has done through him for the Gentiles and really Paul has a very strong desire to see the Gentile world come to Christ and um, to Really, I like he uses the words to bring the Gentiles into obedience. And we have to recognize that that word obedience, people don't like it when it, when you talk about the gospel. You're like, no, obedience is with the law. But I think he's made it clear, like obedience is in, in word, which is belief, saying I believe in this, and also in deed, which our belief is always followed by action or behavior. Because if you believe something your actions will show it. You can't just be like, yeah, I believe I'm married and then go, you know, sleep around with a hundred people. Like, that's, I'm really proving by my deeds that I don't believe that I'm married. So <laughs> there's belief and action and they come together. And so Paul is saying, God is doing this and he's bringing Gentiles into this obedience, which is both word and deed. Um, and so he talks about how does this happen? How is he doing it? 
how is God doing this? And he said, it's through signs and wonders. Um, and it's also by the, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And recognizing that even if you do it on your own, it's the Holy Spirit that convicts the heart and brings them to, to God. It's not, it's not Paul's work. And so whenever we do ministry with anyone, we have to be reminded of that, that it's not, it's not me that's doing it. I'm just a messenger, and it's the Holy Spirit that actually does the work. Um, and so he uses, he talks about his ministry to the Gentiles that come from all the way from Jerusalem to Illyricum. I, I can't, I eat my print crumb. I, recum, I can't pronounce it right. Illyricum, that's what it is. That's it. Yep. I'm like, uh. So, but um, we're, we're, I had to look up where that was. So it was actually a province in, in the Roman Empire. It's just north of Macedonia. And it would have been, Paul would have reached just the outlying, the outlayer of that. And so he's saying from all this place, from Jerusalem, I put a little map there, the highlighted part. I don't know if you can see it. So, you guys, I'm assuming everyone knows where Jerusalem is. Down here. But, um, so he said he spread the gospel. He's like fulfilling the ministry of the gospel. So preaching the gospel. Um, really, he's not saying that he's preached to every person along, along the countryside. But he, is, he has touched the city centers of each of these places along the way um, to preach the gospel there. And... He starts really. Paul starts saying he's starting to realize that his he doesn't his work there is starting to. He's starting to feel called somewhere else, and he gives us the reason why, because he desires to preach in places where no one has ever heard of Christ. So his desire is to preach, not with someone else there, and so it was. It's a part of me goes, he's. Well, we'll get into that in just a second. So we just have to remember that. his That's his desire. He wants to go places where Christ has never been heard. And people are doing already doing the work in this area that he'd been working in. And so he uses a quote. He quotes Isaiah, um, chapter 50, 52. So 13 through, 7, 13 through 15 gives us a little bit of the context. And he's... And it's called the servant song in Isaiah 52. But he said, Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished, um, astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human um, semblance. And, sorry, it's getting small. And, for, and from form beyond that of the children of mankind, so that he, so shall he spark, so shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For what has not been told them, they see. And that which they have not heard, they understand. And so this is that he's, he's referring to this passage saying, I desire to go to these people that have never heard so that they would understand, which is very different from what he said. What he says about 
the Jews, he's saying, they're going to hear and not understand. And so you kind of have that comparison there. Um, so now we're going to people that have never heard and will hear, and will hear for the first time and understand and believe. Um, and then it's through them that they'll come back, and the, through the Jews will come back. But So you kind of see how he makes comments that refer to things that he's talking to before, which is kind of fun. Um, so he's affirming his, so he affirms the, the church in Rome, and then he affirms his own ministry, and he says, and he kind of is laying the groundwork for the next, the next section of why, why he even says, I want to preach, I want to preach in places where Christ has never heard, because he's going into what his plans are. What does he want to do? Um, so if someone wants to read this next section, 15 through 22, I mean, 15, 22 through 20, to 33. read it. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you, but now since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem, for they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by our own Lord, Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. So Paul goes on to, from affirming the Romans and then affirming his own ministry, and then and then he goes on to say, so this is what I got planned. He's like, you know what my ministry is. I'm called to the Gentiles. Um, you guys are doing well. You're doing. You're being strong, and I want you to come alongside me. Um, and so he he first says, this is the ministry I've been doing. This is why I haven't made it all the way to Rome because I've been working in these regions, um, but now his work is complete. And the word, the word for complete there is not the idea like every person in that area has been reached or heard the gospel, but his, he is, feels like he's the front runner. He wants to go out to the beginning where no one else has heard, and he's like, people are starting to fill in the gaps here, and I'm going to move forward. So my work here is done. So he longs to go where no one has heard the name of Christ. Um, so his plan then is to stop in Rome to spend time with the church there, <laughs> to encourage them and to be encouraged by them. Um, but he also expects them to help him on his journey to Spain. So this is um, 
this is like every missionary's like nightmare. You know, you're going to go and visit someone and you're like, okay, we're going to go back to our ministry. You guys want to help us get back there? And so, but this is what really Paul is doing as he goes to, as he goes to Rome. He's like, I want to encourage you guys. I want to be encouraged by you. I also want you to join in the expansion of God's kingdom. So I want you to be prepared to be able to help me in that. And so that's why he's telling them ahead of time that he's coming so that they can be prepared to help. Um, so his desire is to go to Spain to do ministry there. And it's very, it's very possible that because when he talks, when Paul kind of talks about his routes, he always makes a circle. He doesn't really like go back through the, through the um, same places that he went. He he makes a circle from Jerusalem around, and so his plan is to come from Jerusalem through Rome, and really, a lot of commentators say that they really they really believe his his idea was to go through the southern route of the Mediterranean, and so to go through North Africa to preach the gospel, because the gospel wasn't being preached there. And so it was being preached already in the northern route around the Mediterranean, and now he wanted to go through the southern route from from Spain going down through Morocco and that area, which makes sense when he feels called to preach the gospel where it hasn't been preached. And so, um, but we all know that God had different plans for Paul, and so so he talks about that's his goal, his future goal, and then he talks about his present plans, which are to go to Jerusalem. Um, and so he's in Corinth right now as he's writing, and then he's on his way to bring aid to believers that are in Jerusalem that are suffering. Um, so this is just before Jerusalem falls, isn't it? Or is it just after Oh, I should know my timeline. I'm sorry. It's either just before or just after Jerusalem falls. But the the believers in Jerusalem were really struggling, and so um, the the believers in Macedonia and uh, and Achaia they are actually they have have provided aid for the believers in Jerusalem which these are all Jewish believers. These, this is aid coming from Gentile believers back to the Jewish believers in Jerusalem, which is really a beautiful thing. And Paul goes as far to say, like, these Gentiles, they're happy to do this, but they also owe it to the Jews because of all the spiritual blessings they are enjoying on behalf of, Jew, of the Jews and what Christ has done, that Christ chose the Jews to, to um, show to be the Messiah through the Jews. And so he's like, because of all the spiritual blessings that came from that, it is part of our responsibility as Gentile believers to take care of Jewish believers, which I thought is kind of cool. So, which also is every everything he's talking about in the book of Romans too, living in unity with each other and taking care of each other. Um, so, but his plan is that he'll once he finishes once he finishes his delivery there, he's going to come back this direction and go to Rome, visit them, and work his way to Spain. Um, 
So, and I like that he says, and my visit will come with the blessings of Christ. He's like, don't worry, I'm not going to come empty-handed to you. I will, we, I am here to encourage, to encourage you, so. Um, and he's going to spend time with them. He's not just passing by for a night. He wants to spend time with them, so. Um, but he also kind of ends this section Taught, he really, this is kind of, it really feels like the end of the letter at this point. And then the, it's all greetings and things that are to come in chapter 16. So Paul asks the Roman believers to pray urgently for his trip um, and delivery to the Jews, to, the, to Jerusalem and into Judea. First he asks for prayer to be delivered from the unbelievers. Um, so Paul is aware that there are dangers in going back to Jerusalem. He knew it. And even the believers in Corinth asked him not to go. They're like, just don't go. He like, send someone else with this. Um, but he felt like he was called to go to Jerusalem. And But he did ask the Romans for prayer for protection over him as he went. Um, second, he, pray, he asked them to pray for the gifts that he's bringing, that they'll be received by the believers there. Um, I don't know if you guys, if that, if that, if you've ever seen that in our culture, you see someone that's really struggling and you try to give them something and they're like, no, thank you. I, I don't need your help. And he's like, no, let them, they, it's more, it's kind of a pride issue. Like, no, I don't need help from you. I can do this. Um, we don't need help from the Gentiles. As Jewish believers, we can do this on our own. And so he's saying, please, please pray that this will be received well. Um, and then thirdly, that that he would be able to come to the, come to them with joy and refreshment so that he's not coming to them going I just need from you but he wants to come in order to give back to to the Roman church as well um, encouragement and joy um, and then he also prays that God's peace will be present with them and says you know that's something we should be praying also that God's peace will be present with us as well as other believers so um I'm, this is just a summary. We're not going into like detail of words and stuff today. So, but um, any questions? Kind of as we are finishing. I think I missed a verse in my. And the God of peace be with you all. Amen. <laughs> That's the last, the last verse. But. Um, any questions on this on this kind of on chapter end of chapter fifteen? Questions, comments? I think it's self explanatory, don't you? I mean he's really clear about what he he says here and he makes it very easy for the reader to understand him. Yeah. And what his purpose is, where he's going. And this is, this is where narrative is really kind of easy to understand because he's like, okay, I'm going here and I'm doing this and this is my plan. And, um, and so, and he really, everything he refers to are the things that he's, talk, he's already talked about earlier in the book. So it's kind of, it's kind of fun, but. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Do we have any other, does anyone have any questions about the section? I don't know if this is too loaded, but what's our perspective and role towards modern-day Jews supposed to be as believers? That's loaded. And is there a difference between 
how we are towards believing Jews and non-believing Jews? That it is that's it is a loaded question. Um, yeah. So we had when I was at Bible College, we had people that were called to Jewish ministry. And they said, if you ever want to be involved in a ministry you know is talked about in Scripture, work with the Jews. Um, but at the same time, there is an aspect that I think that we should be an advocate for, for Israel as Christians. Um, because we know that God's not done with them. Um, and then we have, we have fellowship with, with um, belie- like believing Jews. Uh, and that's important also um, and to hear their perspective as you read one of my favorite professors at, at Moody was um, he was a Jew and converted and he it was just a Genesis class and he just was like don't you see Christ is here and Christ is here and the, he's like this is the Messiah we see the Messiah here and it's Christ and it was just such it was so encouraging to see that aspect of it and to realize that the Jews do bring um, a certain understanding of the Old Testament scriptures that we don't. And so, like, recognizing, yeah, it's important for us to be advocates for, um, I think, also the nation of Israel. And that's why, as, uh, as America, as a Christian nation, they want to say, no, Israel is also, this land is, is Israel's. It's not... It's not Palestine, but it is Israel's because God had promised it to them. And so, um, so I do as I do believe as Christians, we need to be advocates for Israel. Um, but we also need to preach the gospel to those that don't believe it. <laughs> so, yeah. But it is a loaded question. And there's that's good though. Oh. Thanks. Okay. Any other questions? Maybe. Um, I kind of, I don't know, when he prays for, like, them to, um, that he'd be able to come with joy and refreshment, uh, I I feel like that's really timely for me right now. Um, So I'm just kind of curious as to... um, Like, what would Paul have been doing to be seeking refreshment other than just praying for it? I mean, part of, like, especially for someone that's in ministry, one of the ways that you seek refreshment is from the people you're doing ministry with and to see them growing and to see... And so even going to Rome where where he knows that the church is strong and healthy, that would be a refreshment to him to go to a place like that. Um, but at the same time, I find it interesting that he prays for this, but this is not how God answers it. So he's like, no, I want joy and refreshment before I come to you so that I can be good. But how does he end up in Rome? Does that, so do you, maybe I need to explain that. So he, Paul ends up going to Jerusalem and ends up getting arrested and then Paul appeals to Rome to because he's a Roman citizen, so he appeals to Rome. He's like, you can't treat me this way because I'm a Roman citizen. And they said, okay, we can't do anything with him. He, we have to bring him to Rome. So he ends up in Rome as a prisoner. 
with two with two soldiers on each side. Like, yeah. like <laughs> he's like they're stuck with him. They and he's so he's twenty four seven, like surveillance of by, by the Roman by Roman guards, and you go. I'm not really sure what kind of joy and refreshment comes from that other than our suffering and our trials bring us hope. Yeah. <laughs> and so you go, Paul prays for something and God answers it in a way that um, he brought him to Rome, but not with the same idea of going on to Spain and to doing all these different things. And um, But God's like, no, I will bring you there, but I will bring you there on my own terms. And um, so you go, sometimes you pray for joy and refreshment, and God gives it to you in a different way. So, yeah, which is fun. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that answers your question, but kind of. But I don't, know what, I don't know what he was doing in his daily life that was seeking joy and refreshment. But I don't, I don't know Paul personally. Sure. sure. Of course. Of course not. <laughs> but. You know, I think of um, other places where he said he was pouring himself out as a drink offering. And um, I don't know, I just get the impression that there wasn't a lot of downtime <laughs> for him. He was, he was so driven in his call. And so I, I really appreciate Julie saying fellowship with other believers and seeing yeah. God at work in their lives was a big encouragement to him. Seeing them walk in obedience and in generosity and in unity. Yeah. Kind of and for anyone in ministry, you know that that is what, that is really, it's those little glimpses that God gives us that he's doing something through our ministry. And you just go, okay, then I can continue in this even when I don't see any when I don't see anything, but I know that God is doing something, and I'll just be obedient and faithful to what He's called me to do um, when He gives me these little glimpses. So there was a I got we we had run a discipleship school for three years when we were in Kenya, and I got a like a Facebook message from uh, one of the students there, and he said he's he said if it that. They called us Mama Mama Joy and Baba Joy. That was those were our names when we were there. But um, he said, Mama Joy, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't know Christ today. And he said, and he's like, you even were the first one to teach me um, chords on the guitar. I can't. I'm like, I know like four chords on the guitar, like nothing. But he's a worship pastor now in um, in Kenya, and so and he's like, he's like, I just wanted to thank you for. Your faithfulness to God through this, um, and I just go. There's something there that it was that was there that was an encouragement from the Lord to me, not not from Him to me. And I go, and it's those little things that bring joy and refreshment uh, to us that are in ministry. So, but Julian, yeah. I was just gonna say I think that's true. Even just in how He was going and he wanted to see them and spend you know have their company but he was wanting to encourage them yeah and i think he knew that in doing so it would be an encouragement and bring him joy and refreshment at the same time so i think 
it's so hard to sometimes when you're needing joy and refreshment yourself yeah it's hard to think about how if we pour into someone else and we're not feeling like we have anything to pour you know into them but that's how we sometimes in turn do get the joy and refreshment it's just when we are going to spend time with someone and try to encourage them we do end up getting refreshed ourselves yeah and it's really true it's really true and i i want to go back to chapter one verse 11 he says um this is kind of his introduction right and he says i long to see you that i may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong that that is that you and I will be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, and and I really feel like that is where he that's where Paul gets his his refreshment is with other believers. So, <clears throat> um, all right. So now, if we move on in go, going into chapter sixteen, does someone want to try to read all these names? I'm just, I'm just kidding. I tried. I try. I'll. I'll do it because I'll but I'll butcher them, and then it makes you feel better. So, um, but I like. I feel like he kind of ends this. Uh, so actually, I just want to make a comment. So the last twenty-five through twenty-seven is kind of a doxology in in chapter sixteen, um, but in the different tra- the manuscripts, old manuscripts. The doxology is found at the end of chapter 16. It's also found at the end of chapter 15. And some places it's found at the end of 15 and 16. Um, At some places it's found at the end of 14 and the end of 16. And some places it's only found at the end of chapter 15. And so it's like clear that the doxology was part of it, but the placement of it is kind of like they're not sure where it originally started. Um, but as I read through chapter 16, I go, chapter 16 almost could be in itself like a cover letter to the book of Romans, um, because it has, now this is my opinion, not from the commentators, but just because it's kind of that greet, the greetings and those things. So it could have been something that was sent with the letter um, and then the doxology was at the end of that as well as the end of ch- chapter 15. So, but it's just kind of interesting. Um, Eric and I talked about it as I fell asleep last night. So it was kind of fun. He was looking up all the old manuscripts and stuff, so we were talking about it. But it was, it was interesting to talk about textual criticism a little bit on Sunday and then seeing it kind of in action here that these things are um, really they're important but at the same time the message is still there and so uh, maybe the order of where it fits um, changes but this would be one of the big changes Kirsten has a question yeah I was just going to say because my I have the ESV and there's not even a verse 24 yeah and it does say in like a small, small script, it just says that um, some manuscripts insert verse 24, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Mm-hmm. And that, so I go from 23 to 25 in my ESV. Yeah, because some of the manuscripts, the manuscripts that don't have the, the doxology at the end end with that. Okay. 
So you just, yeah. So it's it's interesting, but it you. Is interesting. Yeah, but at the same time, well, you're you right, get it doesn't change the meaning, or there's uh-uh. nothing. Yeah. There's nothing controversial or nothing contradictory in Mm-mm. the message. And yeah. it's there. It's just that the order is changed. And what happens at the end of letters a lot of the times is the last page gets lost. Um, and so people are aware of what it already said. And so sometimes they would add the doxology at the end of the page they had. So, um, but, so you usually go back to the oldest document you have, but that doesn't mean that it was a document that, <laughs> that was lost, you know, or like copied. Yeah. So, but, so it's just interesting and realizing that this is, this is one of the biggest changes, like the biggest, um, scrutinies and you go and it doesn't really seem that big of a scrutiny. So, um, so these are the, like, this would be one of the places that, um, liberal scholars would say, see, the Bible is not trustworthy. And you go, and that's kind of what Jay was talking about on Sunday. And he's like, no, we recognize that the big things that are missing are kind of like just rearranged a little bit. And he's like, the meaning doesn't change. Um, and so, yeah. So there we go. Hopefully that doesn't confuse you anymore. Then hopefully it encourages you. So, okay. So let's read about all of these different people that he greets, which is kind of fun. I commend you. I commend to you. Oh, I'm reading in the in the NIV because my ESV Bible is not right by me, and that's too small to read on my screen. So, all right. I commend to you our our sister Phoebe, a servant of of the church in the Chen. It's Chen. Chenkra or something. Chenkra. Centra. Centra. Centria. Centria. Yes, the CH is a K. This there's no CH sound in Greek. Oh, okay. I didn't. Sorry. No, no I just I found I found that out last night. Oh. <laughs> I was like, huh. <laughs> so I'm gonna butcher all of these things, and yeah, it's okay. Um, I ask you to receive her in the Lord in the way worthy of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been a great help to many people, including me. Greet, so in the Greek is Prisca and and, Aqu- and Aquila, but we have Priscilla and Aquila, which is what they're really known by now. So greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risk their lives for me. Not only I, but the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet the, ho- greet the church that meets in their house. Greet also our friend Epinetus, Ep- Ep- who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andron- Andronicus and Junius, my relatives who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. A greet Ampilatus, whom I love in the Lord, and greet Urbanus, um, our fellow worker in Christ, and our dear friend Stachus, and greet Apellus, 
tested and approved in Christ, and greet those who belong to the house of uh, Arist Aristobulus. Greet Herod Herodian, my relative, and greet those in the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. And greet Typhena and Typhosa, those women who work hard in the Lord, and greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. And greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me also. And greet Iscritus, uh, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermes, and the, and the brothers with them. Greet Philo, the Philogus, Julia, Nereus, Nereus, and his sister, and, and Olympus, and all the saints there. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. Wasn't as rough as it could have been. Julia, did you pick a name out of that for your baby? <laughs> Saying that our, we already have strange names for our children. <laughs> Probably should avoid I these ones. Emerson Rufus. Rufus is a cute name, isn't it? I don't know if I could do Rufy. Rufy would probably end up the, the nickname. So yeah, that's not a fun nickname. No. no okay, so we have he sent he's sending greetings. Oh, I'm losing papers. He's this is the final chapter of the book of Romans with greetings greetings sent and received, and I like kind of starts with Phoebe and the understanding that I have is that Phoebe was probably going to be the one that brought the letter. Rome. So, um, and so he's he's telling them, I want you to accept her. She's bringing this letter. Accept her. Give her whatever aid she needs. Um, the ESV uses the word servant, which is also the word for the deaconess or deacon. And so um, this passage refers a lot to women in ministry. So if you wanted to do more reading on that, you can. I don't want to get into it today, um, but they said she was probably a deacon in her church, or deaconess in her church, um, but she was also financially set, so she was a benefactor to Paul in his ministry as well as to many others. Um, so I thought it was interesting that he actually tells the church, like, make sure that you accept her. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, why why is there this need to like say accept her and give her anything she needs and um i told eric i'm like i just don't understand that like she seems to be doing okay because she's financially helping the ministry and he's like yeah but it's kind of like hey she has been so instrumental in my ministry and i want you to make sure that she's well accepted among you and i was like oh that makes more sense <laughs> be like she's important to me so please accept her well and it's kind of like a personal like please accept her which I thought was kind of cool um, can it be also because she was a woman I don't think or so no? I don't think so um, just because of all the different greetings that are happening here are both men and women um, 
So I don't think that it has to do with that. I think that it has to do with her bringing the letter and being received well and her relationship with Paul and other believers in um, that area. So, and all, none of the commentators talk about it in that way, but they do talk about the issue of women in ministry and what that looks like. Um, and so this is a good place for them to say, now see, here's a woman that was part of the, an official role in the church um, in this area, and Paul, and Paul is to saying like, hey, she's a part of us and let's accept her. And he's not saying like anything against what her ministry is, so... Okay. Sorry. Bend down. Okay. Um, so then here's the, just a list. I I think it would be interesting for you to go through and just and to just look at this is quite the group of people that he's greeting and um the first convert to Christ in Asia, that's like Asia Asia Minor, the first convert is part of the Roman Church. That's kind of cool. And then you have uh, these um, uh, Dronicus and Junia that were Christians before Paul was a Christian. And so you have just these, the, the church in Rome just kind of getting a little picture by Paul describing each of them as he's greeting them is kind of fun. Um, so, um, and then you kind of wonder like, what else about him? But this is all you really know. There's only there's only a, a few names that are that you'll see other places in scripture, in other greetings and things. So I always thought I'd greet the family of narcissist, which I'm like, that one makes me laugh. <laughs> I'm like, that's my that's my my side of the family. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, but that's always—it's it. kind of the running, the running joke, the Urkel side of the family. But um, I think every family is like that. <laughs> but so that's just kind of the list of the the different names. I think there's 26 names that Paul writes about, um, and then after he writes all of these different names, he kind of throws in this like final appeal or urge. And he says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, um, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent to, as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And he throws this appeal in at the end of this long list of people. And you're like, why? Why does he throw this in like after all of these greetings? He's like, but watch out. I'm like, is there a name in there that he's like, watch out? guys because you don't want or is it or is it like he has the whole list of people and he's like this is such a unified group of people i just want to warn them not to be to look out for those that are wanting to cause division among them um and the commentators don't really know why he put this in where he put it in um but 
it's clear that it's kind of this like warning, like let's try to continue in our unity, um, which actually continues on with what he's been talking about the last few chapters about being unified as the body of Christ um, and not being div divided. And it it is a good... Um, did I have notes on this? I did have notes on this. So um, he says to do two things, is to watch out for them and then to avoid them. There is an aspect that it's hard to... It's sometimes easy to tell truth that is so twisted and wrong that to know that that's not true. And it's harder to tell the truth that's just slightly twisted. And so he's saying, he's like, you need to be careful that you're not allowing these things to divide you. And he said, so anyone that's causing division or causing obstacles to the gospel you need to you need to watch out for them and you need to avoid them if they won't come back to what the gospel has said and so um so these are anything any teaching that's contrary to that of the gospel so anything that paul has talked about and saying like if maybe you have jews that come in and say no gentiles need to be circumcised that's wrong like in order to for them to accept the gospel they have to be circumcised that would be an obstacle that they're putting between their faith, um, between the Gentile and God. And so he's like, Those are, these are the things that you need to watch out for and avoid. Which is also, when he, we just talked about all the, what's the word? Negotiable, the negotiable, thank you. We just talked about all the negotiable things. Um, and he's like, so you need to watch out for the ones that are causing divisions, that are making the non-negotiables, um, that are making the negotiables non-negotiable. Um, and so you kind of see maybe where he's, he's like adding a final thought to those, to those things. Um, but then it's also he goes on to kind of give a, just a, a very kind of a characteristic of what these people are looking for and what they and what they do. They, he says they don't serve Christ, but they're serving their own appetites. They talk with smooth talk and flattery, um, and they deceive the hearts of the naive. So, and this is especially for like young believers in your church um, in that he's saying you need to make sure that these smooth talkers aren't leading them astray or leading them into divisions and obstacles which isn't going to lead them to Christ and it's not going to keep the gospel the center it's going to keep all these other things the center um, and so this idea of we need to be careful especially with the young believers that aren't solid in their faith um and then he, but then he, again, he um, encourages them and he says, but their obedience is known. He's like, I know, again, I know that you guys are doing what you're supposed to do and you're following Christ with everything. And he's like, and in that I rejoice with you and over you. And he's like, but I do want you to be wise to what is good and innocent to what is evil. Um, and I can't, 
I couldn't really, I didn't really want to go into what all this means. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. Um, there was pages in the commentary and I didn't know much time we had. So I haven't, I didn't prepare to kind of talk about that. But um, just we know that, that God, that God, I just, I do find it interesting that he uses the God of peace will crush Satan. Because God, God is a God of peace, but he also is using he will crush satan in that peace and peace is order and so that's part of it's when we talked about that god is a god of peace last fall in our attributes of god is that god is a god of order and he will bring everything into his order when christ returns and so there's some hope to that and he's like so i want you to just be wise to what is good and be innocent to evil, meaning just don't even pay attention to the evil. Always strive ahead for what is good. And then he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And so it's kind of this appeal. So, um, questions? Hmm. It just, it reminds me, what is that verse, wise as... Is was a wise as serpents, innocent as doves? Do mm-hmm. I that right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I thought of that verse also because it's kind of that idea is like, yeah, you need to be wise um, and shrewd in what you're doing, like and be aware, um, but you need to be innocent. So you you need to live blamelessly. Um, so you're not living in evil, but you are aware that it's there. Um, but you're wise, so you're being, you're making your decisions based on what is good, not what is evil. So. Um, and then he goes on, and, he, and he's greeting. Now the greetings are going the other way. And he's saying, these are all the people that are um, greeting from, did I not, I don't have my, oh. I appeal to. Okay, and then verses 21 and 23 says, Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So does Lucius and Jason and Sotopater, my kinsman. And I, Tertius, Tertius, that's what it is, I think. Tertius wrote this letter and greets you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. And... uh, Aristus and the, the city treasurer and the and our brother Cordus greet you. And so these are all the people that have been present while the letter is being written or has sent greetings from somewhere else and made it into the greetings of the letter. But it also shows the importance of greeting in that time that 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 he was that Paul greeted people by name but also the people that were with Paul were greeting people that the letter was going to. Um, But you just see how many people are involved in this letter. It wasn't just Paul sitting in a corner writing it, but there was lots of other people present. Um, And he actually didn't, he wasn't the one who transcribed the letter. He didn't write it down. Um, It was Tertius, I think it's Tertius or something how he pronounce his name. And I thought I had notes on that, but they're not here. It's not here. Sorry. So, um, 
which it so and that was common at that time that you had someone else that that you would kind of dictate the letter and someone else would write it out and so it's Paul writing the letter by dictating it but someone else actually writing the words does that make sense it's like an editor kind of okay wasn't there some other letter where he said look I'm writing this in my own hand something like see how big it is <laughs> so um, I mean I, re I remember hearing that he might have had a vision issue he had Paul had vision problems he couldn't see well and so that was probably part of it um but not everyone was educated well in writing and reading. Um, they could communicate with language, but, and so it would be better to have someone, it'd be like Ariel writing, Ariel wrote a letter to a friend, but I wrote it down, you know? You know, so it's kind of that idea, like, we're gonna make this go a little faster by be who knows how to spell everything, I'm gonna write it so we're not erasing every other word, you know, like, so, it's just kind of that idea um, so yeah but it doesn't take away that Paul wrote the letter okay all right now the disputed doxology which is to finish and I just wanted to I didn't want to pick it apart I just wanted to enjoy it um, so yeah now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of, Christ, of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed through the prophetic writings, has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. And I feel like it's a great summary for the book of Romans and to recognize what God has done and that he, is, he has put it all together. Um, and yeah, and what Paul and how Paul has laid it out for us to understand and to recognize like God through it's not this is something that he had planned before through the prophetic writings and it has been made known now to all nations um, so it has the aspect of the Jews and the Gentiles there and this is all because of the wise God and to him be the glory forever and so it's just a really it's really a fun way to end the letter so what, what exactly is a doxology?